0: Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3.
3: Greetings, conversationalists. How are you? It is the third hour of the Eric Erickson Show, and I'm just so delighted to have you with me. The phone number, if you want to talk to me, is 877-973-7425. I have spent uh, probably more time than I should on ESG criteria in the past few weeks, but it's important, I think, to educate you on this growing fight. Um, ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance Criteria. It is being used by left-wing groups and um, representatives of uh, controllers of your pensions and retirement funds, uh, fiduciaries, that's the word I'm looking for, to push corporate America to the left. Larry Fink. Is the CEO of BlackRock. BlackRock is one of the biggest uh, agitators for ESG criteria to move companies to the left. Uh, Will Hild is going to join me on Friday. He is the executive director of Consumers First. They have an ad out uh, that they're playing on TV stations, not just online. I want you to listen to this as. The uh, backlash against ESG is beginning. Who helped cause soaring gas prices? BlackRock. Who contributed to outrageous housing prices? BlackRock. BlackRock and Larry Fink spent years harassing oil and gas companies, making them divest from fossil fuels. Now you feel the pain. And BlackRock-owned companies are snatching up houses, crippling families. Now BlackRock's former ESG czar Brian Deese is Biden's economic advisor crushing America from within. That's what BlackRock is really about. Who helped... Well, there's this. The editorial board of the Wall Street Journal. Our legendary editor, Robert Bartley, used to quip that it takes at least 65 editorials on a subject to have an impact. We know what he meant. After laboring in the vineyards, low these many years to draw attention in editorials to the politicized investing that travels under the bland label ESG for environmental, social, and governance. Recent events show that the backlash against ESG investing has finally arrived. Nearby, Arizona Attorney General Mark Bronovich explains how he and 18 other state attorneys general— are seeking answers from the investment giant BlackRock about its political agenda. BlackRock, a titan of passive investment funds, has been a leader in impressing ESG standards on the corporations it invests in. The letter is significant politically and financially. These attorneys general represent states with public pension funds that invest in BlackRock and other funds on behalf of state employees the states need to know they are getting the best financial returns possible in the market to meet their commitments to retirees. The ESG movement has infiltrated investment standards with little scrutiny for several years, led by BlackRock CEO Larry Fink. Former BlackRock executives such as White House Economic Policy Chief Brian Deese have have influence in the Biden administration. The risk is that ESG measures that Mr. Fink and others claim are voluntary will become standard in corporate America with almost no debate. The next step is likely to be regulatory mandates. The Securities and Exchange Commission has already proposed a climate change rule that would impose a vast new mandate across the U.S. economy for reporting CO2 emissions. Based on the facts currently available to us, BlackRock appears to use the hard-earned money of our state's citizens to circumvent the best possible return on investment, as well as their vote, says the AG letter. It adds, BlackRock's past public commitments indicate that it has used citizens' investments, assets rather, to pressure companies to comply with international agreements, such as the Paris Agreement, that forced the phase-out of fossil fuels, increased energy prices, drive inflation, and weaken the national security of the United States. The eight-page letter goes on to ask detailed questions about BlackRock's relationship with climate change advocacy groups, its support for net-zero carbon emissions, and how its ESG advocacy conflicts with its fiduciary duty to investors. The AGs add that BlackRock's coordinated conduct with other financial institutions to impose net zero also raises antitrust concerns. Good. It's time to fight back. This is nonsense and it's crippling your pension funds and your retirement funds. If your fund is managed by BlackRock or Vanguard, you probably are not getting the return on investment that you might otherwise get. Now, how is that? As I have mentioned, Uh, ESG, environmental, uh, societal, or social and governance criteria, essentially imposes woke value systems on corporations, including giving up fossil fuels. The problem here is that if you have a company like Exxon that produces fossil fuels, telling Exxon to give up fossil fuels is like telling a fish to give up water. Exxon can't produce a good rate of return on its investments otherwise. So if the fund buys a bunch of Exxon and then tells Exxon it's got to get out of the business that makes Exxon money, well, guess what? You're not getting a good rate of return on that investment, are you? But these companies managing your pensions, they don't really care because they're more about the wokes than they are you. BlackRock is one of the worst. BlackRock... Is one of those companies that's out there buying up homes across America, forcing you to rent so that you can't buy a house, trying to deprive you of the American dream, whereas as your landlord gets to control your ability to have access to the American dream. Companies like BlackRock probably need to be seriously looked at, if not uh, have business taken away from them, and conservative states are starting to do that. Now, I want to go back to you, uh, to, to this editorial in the in the Wall Street Journal. Let me read you part of this. Strive Asset, Asset Management last week announced its first exchange-traded fund, DRLL, a passively managed energy index fund designed to mimic BlackRock's passive U.S. energy index fund, IYE strive says it raised more than a hundred million dollars in assets under management and has 160 million dollars in traded volume in its first week we have no brief for any particular business model let everyone compete for the investment dollar and see who prevails and offers the best return but the strive model is notable because it says it will use shareholder engagement and proxy voting to impress a non-ESG policy on companies. Strive says it will use proxy measures to persuade companies to pursue the overriding goal of maximizing return to shareholders. This is an antidote to the stakeholder model of corporate governance that is the fraternal twin of the ESG standard. Strive is an infant in the industry with giants like BlackRock that manage trillions of dollars. But if ESG is such an attractive investor option, firms like BlackRock should mine funds that offer different choices. The best news is the U.S. will finally get a real debate over ESG and politicized investment. Yes, in other words, let's see. BlackRock, Vanguard, companies like that say, actually, uh, these ESG woke standards make companies more financially lucrative. So along comes a new company that wants to test the theory and say, well, if you believe that, we're going to do exactly the opposite and see what happens. I suspect the non-wokes are going to do better than the wokes. And the market can put its money where it thinks will do best. What I find deeply troubling, however, and this is the the actual overarching point on this, is you don't have a choice in the matter, by and large, unless you, as a retirement fund holder, we had a guy call and talk to us about this a while back, actually called in and said, you know, you can tell these companies you want to be able to vote your shares, not let your fiduciary vote the shares. So you vote for yourself as a shareholder, instead of BlackRock voting for you. Most people aren't gonna do that though. And so BlackRock and Vanguard, they know this, and they're gonna use your money in your pension or 401k that your company or governmental entity that you work for has, and they're gonna force these companies to go left. Now, interestingly enough, there's a story I saw in Bloomberg today. Robert Eccles is from Oxford University. It says the ESG label has lost its value. A number of sustainable investing champions say it's time for the ESG label to be shelved and replaced with something less likely to draw attacks. Rabbit Eccles is a professor who spent the last 12 years researching sustainability at Harvard and now the University of Oxford's said business school. He says the term just doesn't have value anymore, so change the conversation. I'm happy to not use the term ESG. People are so invested now in hating ESG for reasons that don't really have much to do with ESG. Actually, it has a lot to do with ESG. These sustainable investment models that have gone woke. So this reminds me of Common Core. Doesn't it strike you as Common Core? So essentially, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, uh, the Fortune 500 in this com- country decided they did not like kids to learn how to be entrepreneurs. They started with a valid criticism that a 10th grader in California can pack up and move across the country with their parents because of a new job or their parents in the military land in Florida and 10th grade in Florida is nothing like 10th grade in California. And you got to have some sort of standards across states. Otherwise, kids are going to screw up and and they're not going to be highly mobile. Well, they took that and essentially decided we don't need kids to be entrepreneurial. We need kids to be good automatons working in the Fortune 500. So Jeffrey Epstein associate Bill Gates and others came up with the idea of of Common Core and Common Core convoluted the math system so that parents could no longer help their kids with math. Common Core's math system is designed for you as a parent to not be able to help your kid with homework, so your child has to rely on their public school teachers in the state to teach them math. You can't do it; it doesn't work for you. Trust me. We had a kid; we had two kids in a Common Core system, and and. It was awful. We're now in a school that does traditional math. They're excelling. And in fact, my kid went to a program at Georgia Tech where she was the only kid not in Common Core and ran circles around all the kids in Common Core. Those kids can't think for themselves. They can't process math in the way my kid can because the Common Core system is designed for you to be a good automaton for the Fortune 500 and not dare compete with them. And they've sold this to teachers and academics and others as some sort of good new learning method for teaching writing and reading and math, and it's terrible. And when parents finally realized what was going on, what did they do? They didn't scrap the phrase Common Core. They just changed the name. They're still doing the same thing. They just changed the name. There were a lot of states that went to well, this isn't common core. This is this is constitutional core to give your kids a good moral constitution, an academic constitution. It this is not Common Core. This is this is some other core. We won't tell you what it is, but I trust me, it's not Common Core. It's just just it's it's some it's foundational new skills and learning the same freaking thing. They just changed the name. That's what they want to do with ESG. You got to be vigilant. It's the ideas that matter, not the name that matters. And the idea is crap. More than 90% of companies in the S&P 500 now publish ESG reports. ESG will exceed $40 trillion worth of assets. And it has everything to do with these financial management companies getting your 401k or pension from a state or a corporation, and then using your votes as a shareholder now of these companies they've invested in to force these companies to go woke. And finally, states, conservatives, businesses, they're catching on and they're fighting back. And so what's the solution for the ESG crowd? Oh, we're just going to change the name of it. We, 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 the name's a distraction. Problem is the ideas will still suck and conservatives will still move forward trying to stop these bad ideas from ruining your retirement. Welcome back this hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Across the nation, they want to help your business grow. If your business needs access to large loans, you're buying a building, you're building a building, expanding franchises. Doing great. How about yourself?
2: Doing well, sir. However, I know you were uh, trying to say you don't really, really want to hammer ESG over and over and over. You want to move on. But I had a thought. The the way that is termed, that's from the bottom up. The way I want to look at it is reverse it. G-S-E. First, you have a governance. That is a uh, selected, not elected, but selected individuals to govern the other parts. Then the social aspect is... We are all on the Internet. We all make comments. We do research here and there. Oh, 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 the governance board says we don't like your researches. We don't like how you do things. Therefore, it comes down to the economic aspect. We will lock you out of your bank account. We will lock you out of your Visa, MasterCard, whatever it is, until you fall in line. Does that make sense
3: to you? Mm, oh, yeah. Look, I, I think where we're headed, I mean, look at what China is doing. It's coming up with a social credit score. It's uh, been and, there. Yeah, and it's, it's growing and it's expanding. and And you could be denied the opportunity to travel or bank access or good jobs based on your social score. Uh, And I don't think when you, so let me, let me step back from, from this one, John. So Alex Berenson, who I don't particularly agree with Alex Berenson on a lot. I think he um, he, is, has embraced and advocated some ideas that, that aren't really accurate, but he's got a big following, but Twitter turned off his account, which I disagreed with Uh, and Twitter, it turns out turned off his account because the white house pressured Twitter to do so. And I think what we're seeing in this country where we're going to see more and more is that you're going to have the public sector, for example, the executive branch of the federal government, applying pressures to the private sector for the private sector to do things that the public sector is not allowed to do. Censorship. The federal government cannot censor anyone, including Alex Berenson, but a private company, the First Amendment doesn't apply. And you have the federal government censoring him uh, by pressuring Twitter to do so. That is censorship. Uh, around third, third-hand 3rd censorship, second-hand censorship, but it's still censorship. They, they're they doing this to him. Uh, I think we are seeing more and more government collaboration with the private sector in this country for the private sector to do to individuals what the government cannot do and to force individuals to embrace things the government cannot get them to embrace. Uh, I think we're seeing it with the mainstreaming of, of certain fringe cultural movements in this country suddenly becoming very mainstream, very popular, demanding people go along with it. Um, and you, you gotta be able to stand up to it. You gotta be able to resist it and not fall, fall head into it. Uh, this, this whole forcing people to name their pronouns. I don't want to name my pronouns and I don't want to embrace someone else's, uh, flawed, fictitious pronouns in the name of being a nice person, because it's also forcing me to lie, to not tell the truth and you're seeing more and more corporations force individuals in those businesses to embrace identifying their pronouns as opposed to uh, just embracing the English language. And some of this comes from pressure from the left. Some of it comes from pressure from left-wing entities within the government. You got to be able to stand up to these things. But uh John, you're, you're right on, on ESG stuff. Yeah. Um, They are going to change the name. They're doing it to critical race theory as well. They're changing the name, uh, but they're not going to change the means and methods. And it's the means, methods, and ideas that are the problem. And so there's still going to be a way for us to push back on it. When we come back, though, we got to move on, take more of your calls. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877 Nine, seven, three, seven, four, two, five. If you're listening on WSB radio in Atlanta, Georgia, my flagship station from which I broadcast, I'm going to have a fourth hour today with just you guys. Locals only, I guess you will. Governor Brian Kemp is going to join me, uh, three Oh six or so. Um, after the news top of the hour newscast. Now I want to go back. I want to take another phone call here. Rooster. Welcome to the show, man. How are you? I'm doing absolutely crazy, busy trying to deliver all these
0: trash cans that he's got. All these college students in UGA.
3: Oh my goodness! (laughs) Yeah, busy, busy, busy. busy.
0: Um, So I I, I've been listening to you for the last couple days, and some kind of clicked with me this afternoon as I was listening to you talk. It seems like the communist, uh, whichever party you want to call it. Has not ceased the Cold War, and we took victory, went home, and they kept fighting it underground, undercover, whatever have you, seeding the colleges, seeding socialist ideas all over the place, and now they're getting ready to get it back out in the open, and it just seems like we're still going. Oh no, nothing's wrong, and and we're not we're not part of the war, but the war is still continuing. Maybe I'm talking
3: out my butt. I don't know. No, I, look, 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 look. I, eh, uh, so eh. you got to keep in mind. Uh, so let, let's let's jump back a little bit. Um, so the Russian FSB, which is the successor to the KGB, has been funding groups in this country. I think we're going to find out. Uh, in addition to some black nationalist groups, there probably were some right-wing fringe groups and environmentalist groups that they're funding. And those groups are um, undermining the American government, pushing for revolution, among other things. I think we'll find that there are groups across the political spectrum that have gotten money from the Russians. The Soviets did the same thing. Much of the American environmentalist movement in the 1970s and 80s was funded by the Soviets. People forget this. After the fall of the Berlin Wall and the collapse of the Soviet Union, when we could go into the KGB archives for a time under Boris Yeltsin, uh, you got the receipts. And we found, for example, Ted Kennedy was trying to get the Soviets to interfere in American elections on behalf of Walter Mondale. In 1984 against Reagan, and we found that there were various environmentalist groups in this country and academics funded by the Soviets designed to agitate against the United States This is a very old trick. And the Russians are the Soviets. By and large, a lot of the same people in charge now were Soviet then. And the Chinese over time have learned from that and they've started doing it too. And now we've got some black nationalist revolutionary groups in the country and the media won't talk about it in large part because they're not right wing. The moment it's discovered that a right wing group is involved, you'll hear all about it and they won't really talk about these left wing black nationalist groups involved. You're absolutely right, Rooster, that it's it's it never really went away. It's just changed form. Now, I want to move on to a different subject, and it was struck by my buddy Josh today. Griff Jenkins, friend of mine at Fox News, put out this tweet earlier. The Customs and Border Patrol says migrant encounters for this fiscal year 2022 have surpassed 2,001,034. 2,001,034, a new record set this past weekend and a milestone never before seen in history. This compared to last year's record setting number, which was 1.277 million. So we've gone from 1.277 million to 2.001 million. From 1.2 million to 2 million. Fleeing South and Central America, coming from all over the world, as a matter of fact. I played for you the audio the other day of uh, Bill Malugan at Fox News talking about the border surge, the number of people who are coming across the border, and they're coming from all over the world, and a lot of them increasingly, they're not coming as families. They're coming as single people. Single people crossing the American border in Mexico, and the media in large part has been giving them a pass. I want to play for you again. This is the audio I played you this audio yesterday for Bill Belichick and Fox. Listen to this.
1: The activity here in the Del Rio sector exploded over the weekend. In just a 24-hour span yesterday, we had more than 2,200 illegal crossings. That is one day in just one sector here at the southern border. And take a look at this video we shot today. It has been storming and raining and windy all day long, but it hasn't slowed anything down. This was this morning, a large group of 200 crossing illegally in the elements. It didn't stop anything. This was predominantly single adults from Venezuela. Cuba, Nicaragua, all turning themselves into border patrol. But take a look at what we saw yesterday. Look at this drone video. We saw more than 500 people cross in a single one-hour span. That includes... This group you're looking at of 300 people, again, predominantly single adults. They're coming in from all around the world, Central and South America, some from Asia, some from Africa. You'll see many of them dressed very well, waiting with their smartphones for Border Patrol to process them. Then you'll see some of them even walked out to a nearby highway, almost getting on the road before texas dps troopers stopped them then take a look at this third piece of video two more groups we saw yesterday totaling more than 200 migrants again almost all of them single adults we are no longer seeing those mass family units like we saw last summer just to put it in perspective there have now been more than 400,000 illegal crossings here in the del rio sector just since october that's up double from
3: the same time last year That's Bill Melugin at Fox News. Mass array of single people who fly to Mexico, hire someone to take them to our border and then cross into this country illegally and the Biden administration is not doing anything about it. I have a friend, his name is Josh. He is deeply interested in what happens south of our border. One of the things Josh has noted repeatedly is that Mexico is increasingly a failed narco state. Mexico is a collapsing state. What he noted is, well, let me step back first. I've been talking about the political realignment in this country, and uh, the conservative movement seems to be fracturing now that Roe is gone. It was kind of the galvanizing force, the the, the gravitational force that held the conservatives together. Conservatives are now splitting off. You've got populists, the national populists, the national conservatives. You've you got all these, these groups. They're springing up. They're branding themselves. Some are going to filter back into other groups. Some are still trying to find their way. Some are going to drift left. Some are going to drift out of politics altogether. Some are going to always be fringe. But my buddy Josh notes that in this realignment, one thing that is coming up with some of these new members of the center-right coalition who are not really conservatives, they're more populist, they're more nationalistic. They're willing to recognize that the Mexican state is failing, collapsing. Collapsing. And the establishment Republican and the establishment Democratic parties aren't really willing to say that. They're afraid of being labeled racist when it is actually a statement of fact that the Mexican government is on the verge of collapse and the narco-terrorists and the narco-cartels are overwhelming Mexico. The Baja Peninsula, Baja, California. You had cartels essentially take over the peninsula. and The government's having to fight back. You're having the cartels use the money of the people they're paying to come north to the border to expand their cartel of criminal operations for human trafficking and drugs. There have now been American citizens in Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, and California who have been arrested for working with the Mexican drug cartels to assist them in either drug trafficking or in human trafficking. We have a collapsed narco state south of our border that is incapable of defending itself and guaranteeing its territorial integrity. And the Biden administration's solution is to open the border and let in the very same people who are fleeing that or causing that. According to Customs and Border Patrol, we're at a new record of people who have come across the border. Last year set a record, 1.2 million people. This year we're already at 2 million people. And the Biden administration wants us to believe the border is secure. After the economy, this really should be, it's not, but it should be the biggest issue. Not because I say so, but because we in this country for a long time maintained the Monroe doctrine that uh, countries from the Eastern Hemisphere needed to stay out of the affairs of the Western Hemisphere. That was for us. Long ago, we abandoned the Monroe Doctrine. But at some point, we need to revisit it in some capacity because China is making inroads into Central and South America, building alliances, buying businesses, controlling the Panama Canal. And meanwhile, the big player in Central America is Central America, Mexico, a big oil producer as well. Is collapsing before our very eyes and the biden administration can't bring itself to even acknowledge that that government is collapsing and that the narco cartels are on the rise it is deeply unsafe more and more for americans to visit mexico and mexico city by the way wonderful place with very wonderful people wonderful food wonderful culture it's a heck of a neat place to go with wonderful people but the government there cannot control the entire state of Mexico. It cannot control the country. It is ceding ground to the narco-terrorists. There have been a series of stories over the last year or two of local communities in Mexico essentially throwing out the Mexican police and taking over their own law enforcement and security to make themselves safe from the narco-traffickers. The narco-traffickers are, are willfully murdering others, gunning people down, kidnapping people, chopping them up or trafficking people for sale for sex or other slave needs around the world, not just the United States, but a lot of sex trafficking headed into the United States and drug trafficking, the fentanyl crisis around the country. I've been talking to candidates all over the country, and they say that one of the biggest issues in their local election, wherever they are in the country, is the border because of the fentanyl situation and it's coming across the Mexican border. And this administration is failing to secure our border and our national integrity, and everyone just wants to scream racism when you point out that the Mexican state is failing, except for some of these new spin-off ideologies coming out of the collapse of the conservative movement on the right. Some of these folks aligned with Donald Trump, who the media screams that they're racist as well, when many of them are not. They're very realistic about the way the world is. Someone, somewhere needs an answer for what do we do with Mexico when we have 2 million people walking through Mexico to get here. I am deeply sympathetic to a lot of the people who try to cross the border because if you're willing to walk from South America through the jungles of Central America all the way through the deserts of Mexico, deal with the drug cartels and get to this country, you got to be in dire straits to do that. But there are a whole lot of people who are just landing in Mexico City, hiring someone to drive them up to the border and coming across, and they can get away with it because Mexico can't control its own state. And we should do better at our border, and it's a failure of this administration to not have some thinking about not just what to do to secure the border, but also what to do to restore interior te- inter- territorial integrity. To the mexican government and the mexican nation it's collapsing before our eyes and no one in washington wants to deal with it and as it collapses well it's only a matter of time before the narco terrorists cut some deals with china and then we'll be in a world of hurt along the way we got the economy to deal with as i'm talking right now the dow the nasdaq the s p 500 they're all down And they're down over inflationary news we're kind of back to the carter economy era and back then gold and silver was something people used to help deal with their retirement and that may be something you're interested in if you got fifty thousand dollars or more in your ira 401k or other savings your money could be at risk. You don't have a lot of options, but you might be able to use gold and silver. So call my friends at Goldco, 855-904-5933. You'll get a free wealth protection kit to learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. Thousands of retirees are protecting their retirement savings. Many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver for doing it. Call my friends at Goldco, find out if you qualify for their special offer. They've helped thousands of Americans protect their retirement against inflation and stock market crashes. They might be a good fit for you if you're interested in this. Call them at 855-904-5933. Or if you just text my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777, I will text you back Gold Coast number. Text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, listen to this. I told y'all, this is from the I told you so file, really. Uh, Massive, massive federal investigation underway due to pandemic fraud. This is from David Fahrenthold of the New York Times. In the midst of the pandemic, the government gave unemployment benefits to the incarcerated, the imaginary, and the dead. It sent money to farms that turned out to be front yards. It paid people who were on the government's do not pay list. It gave loans to 342 people who said their name was N slash A. As the coronavirus shuttered businesses and forced people out of work, the federal government sent a flood of relief money into programs aimed at helping the newly unemployed and bolstering the economy. That included $3.1 trillion that former President Trump approved in 2020 and another $1.9 trillion by President Biden. But those dollars came with few strings and minimal oversight. The result, one of the largest frauds in American history with billions of dollars stolen by thousands of people, including at least one amateur who boasted of his criminal activity on YouTube. Now, prosecutors are trying to catch up. There are 500 people working on pandemic fraud cases across the offices of 21 inspectors general, plus investigators from the FBI, the Secret Service, the Postal Inspection Service, and the IRS. The Fed's already charged 1,500 people with defrauding pandemic aid programs. More than 450 people have been convicted so far, but those figures are dwarfed by the mountains of tips and leads the investigators have to chase. Agents in the Inspector General's Office of the Labor Department have 39,000 investigations going. About 50 agents in the Small Business Administration are sorting through 2 million potential fraudulent loan applications. The government does not do this stuff well. Does not do this stuff well. And yet, here we are. It just kind of, I mean, it's it's not good. Not good at all, Uh, and yet this is where we are. And, I, you know, my problem, honestly, is that we never should have done this to begin with. This is very much like if you follow Herbert Hoover uh, administration, what they tried to do to get us out of the Great Depression probably made the Great Depression worse, uh, in particular, Uh, They prolonged it for sure. And then the Roosevelt administration came in, you know, beloved by the left, grew government, but actually probably also rushed to do a lot of things that wound up keeping the United States in a depression far longer than they should have, which is unfortunate. Uh, But this is what we deal with government incompetence, as always, deeply disappointing. Now, for those of you who are sticking around, if you're on WSB in Atlanta, I've got Governor Brian Kemp coming up with me. For the rest of you, I've got some news. Uh, we've heard from Governor DeSantis's team, and we will be scheduling a time for all of you nationwide to hear from Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. Coming up very soon, I'll tell you the day when we get it locked in. Uh, But his team wants to get on the show. I'm delighted to have him. All right. I will talk to all of you tomorrow. If you're a WSB, stick around. I'm preempting Hannity.